And right. it's like, I'm physical touch. It's like, okay, so do you want a hug or do you want me to eat your ass? <laughs> yeah, right. What kind of physical touch are we talking about? <laughs> but when you get cultures that are mixing, it's there's this inherent understanding that two different things are coming together and creating a new thing. Yep. And that has more sexual instinct in it. SPSO is the predominant stacking across the world. And mm -hmm. so it can easily fall into the demonization of the blind spot, which is what yes. we all do with our blind spot. The big hormone Enneagram. I'm John Lekovich, 415, sexual self-prez, 458 traffic. I'm David Gray, self-prez sexual, 9 with one wing, 974 trifix. What up, it's Emika. I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self-prez with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I'm a 3 wing 4, self-prez social, with 369 trifix. Hi, I'm Alexandra. I'm a social self-preservation, 9 wing 1, 963 trifix. If you like or hate us, make sure you go like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure you leave us a review. Yo! Welcome back to the show. We got a special show today, because Alexander and John aren't here. Those two lovebirds. Those two lovebirds. You know? Those two lovebirds. You know? Those two lovebirds. They don't care about us. They're off in a corner somewhere, filling up their love cup. And in their absence, Nancy, David, and I made magic. We're still talking about instincts. Because you know what? It's spring. There's a, a fever, sex fever in the air, and hormones are moaning. So, you know, without any, without any repugnant social types to get in the way of the divine degeneracy that this podcast is known for, I feel like we, uh, we created some magic. Before we get into it, let me hit you with our usual plugs. We have some new announcements today. First of all, Nancy was on Josh's show, What It's Like to Be You. Uh, Josh interviewed her and they talked about all sorts of things, her depression as a three and uh, what you're good at. It's a really great interview. Check it out. I'll have a link in the show description, uh, Josh's interview with her on his YouTube page. Secondly, there's a new podcast on the scene by our friends, the Dream Cream team, Kristen Kaiza and Sammy have started a new podcast called Sinsomnia on dreams and the unconscious and looking at the unconscious and the Enneagram through the prism of dreams. So if you enjoyed those uh, podcasts that we recorded with Kristen in January on dream work, um, you can get more of that, but with triple cream nineness. So uh, check it out. It's going to be a link in the show description. Instinctual drives in the Enneagram. It's the only instincts book that you need to read. If there's any other instincts book that you've come across, burn it, take a shit on it, and shame anyone that you see reading anything other than the instinctual drives in the Enneagram. But if you don't want to do all that, you can just buy the book on Amazon and leave a review if you're a decent person. The Enneagram School. Josh and John had started a new Enneagram school focused on foundational teachings, and inner work practice. They've got a six-part course on Josh's new theory of object relations in the centers. Well, you know that object relations in the centers are the foundational structure of the Enneagram. And uh, Josh and John have a new course that's illuminating and opens this theory up in a way that is far more usable for inner work. So check it out, DAA. Dark Arts Academy. You want to become dangerously perceptive and skilled at seeing the types clearly, because if you're not, what's the point of knowing all this stuff, knowing the Enneagram, if you can't apply it correctly to yourself and the people in your life? So what we've created is a, a library of weekly videos that explores all these different ways to make distinctions between types um, that helps develop an intuition and the ability to make clear distinctions and to understand the implications of what these types are. So if you've been typed by us or 
typed by someone else and you want to understand your typing more deeply, check out DAA. And also recently, we just started a Discord. Uh, if you want to connect with other DAA members, you can check out the Discord in the members area. We have other perks and discounts, and you can find all this information at Enneagramma.com. David Gray's TriFix booklet. David Gray's got a groovy, jazzy, razzle-dazzle archetypal exploration of the trifixes. It's got some cool imagery. It's got some uh, evocative descriptions. Uh, people love it. You can get it at the Enneagram.com forward slash store. Alexandra is the one and only and the world's leading expert on astrology and the Enneagram. If you want to understand the implications of how your astrological chart interfaces with your Enneagram typing, then hit up Alexandra at her website, Saturn Ruled 9, Saturn, Saturn Ruled Number 9.com. So, yeah, enjoy this conversation without any of the fussy withdrawn types. Enjoy. Alexandra's a no show. Why? He completely forgot the time change. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unacceptable. Alexandra is a toxic nine. Yeah. That's, that's toxic what she says. Yeah. That's why she likes watching things like Blood <laughs> is Blind. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was the toxic one, but it's like we fucking made the time change just for you and you mm -hmm. Did we have anything in mind to talk about? No, I mean we had a, a couple threads. Yeah, what'd you have, Dick? We could talk about Dick. <laughs> I said you're Dick. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. Just we could talk about David's Dick. <laughs> I still haven't um, sent the dick pics to Nancy. Please. Mm -hmm. I am not consenting to that. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't get enough. 50-year-old dick? I've, I've seen enough of it. I'm good. Mm, okay. <laughs> She's, she was paid handsomely that's, to... That's yeah, I was paid to receive those dick pics. <laughs> well, so unless can, you're going to pay me, absolutely okay. not. I can, I he can accommodate that. Yeah. He can accommodate it's, that. It's a hefty sum. I'm not. <laughs> it's mainly because I dislike most men, so... Okay consent what a concept i know right <laughs> <laughs> oh, how did i get roped into this yeah, yeah Nancy, you get no help today you're stuck in social blind land <laughs> yeah because yeah. uh yeah, just fuck me up why don't you you're gonna be stuck with the social blind gut types and yeah. social blinds it gets <laughs> it gets earthy <laughs> great yeah we uh we've been talking a lot about instincts lately just a lot that. of different uh, the last one we just did was talking about in different instinct love languages uh and that's that's been interesting we could we could go into that some more um we could like flesh we wanted to flesh them out from the point of view of each stacking because i kind of think that the instinct love language is really skewed towards self-press social but mm -hmm. maybe not maybe you have a different viewpoint on them you know, what do you feel yeah. like are instant, instant love languages that are missing that you might identify or relate to, or what, how would you change the love languages? That's an idea. I mean, partly you're talking about specifically that one thing that's already out there. That's sort of the official, like the love five, bo the book of five love languages. Yeah. 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 Like how would you change them? Mm. How do you, how do you relate to them from the point of view of your instinct stacking or what and we were just talking about how each instinct is a religion so how what are some ways that you've seen yourself conceive of love that might have contrasted with the way a partner would have seen it and things like that that's interesting yeah i've always thought like the physical touch one is like so vague mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, i'm like no that's not there's so much more to that <laughs> Right. It's like, I'm physical touch. It's like, okay, so do you want to hug or do you want me to eat your ass? <laughs> yeah, right. What kind of physical touch are we talking about? <laughs> it's, not, and, it's not the same. And it's almost like <laughs> ubiquitous for guys to say that their number one love language is physical touch. And it means so many That's, things. And so Also it, so inaccurate. Like, yeah, I don't know. When you say it's inaccurate, <clears throat> you mean you've seen in guys what more like other things, gift giving, service, yada yada. Yeah, yeah. I think like it's assumed like that their love language is physical touch, but it's mm -hmm. 
um, like my friends and I constantly talk about how the media portrays men as having like these high sex drives and women never wanting to be like touched or like heads. And that's just inaccurate of how actual humans are. And mm-hmm. men think it's physical touch, but it's also like, mm, it's not. So, and giving well, love is different than receiving love too. Mm-hmm. Your experience with uh, sugaring, you could sort of give a masterclass on what, what men actually want from women what they really want that they wouldn't admit with their mouths or say but they are they're paying for what they're really you have some intel was it wasn't a lot of it like actual connection and stuff that they weren't getting i mean wasn't Um, it almost well it was like a like the men that would pay me was like a solid 50 50 split of Mm -hmm. like men who wanted connection and like intimacy and a partner, but like one they didn't have to take care of, right? They just wanted to receive that and have that mm-hmm. in the moment and then be able to drop you, right? Which is fine. Like that's not an issue. That's literally what they're paying me for. Right. Um, but they didn't want the constant intimacy. They wanted the intimacy then mm-hmm. um, when they were ready for it. Um, intimacy on their terms. And then the other 50% was they wanted an ob- a sex object mm-hmm. that was not dead <laughs> that was not cold it was not like, unconscious yeah like, a, like, like they work. just like and they would say some really fucking demeaning things like these were not like i i think it's it ma- i made it okay in my head because it was like okay maybe this isn't coming out in weird ways because you're like taking care of this here Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um like really demeaning <laughs> shit. Like I'm like, I really hope you don't think this on a daily basis because <laughs> like, this like is... what? Like give me an example. I d I don't know if I can pull a quote out of my head, but because I also like... disassociated for most of this. <laughs> <laughs> that bad, Which, huh? No, it's not that bad. It's just like when you do it a lot, it's like nah. you know, mm. you just don't you don't take it in. Because you can't take it in. Right. Um just like calling you a piece of shit slut. Oh yeah, yeah, like yeah. all that. All that was like run yeah. of the mill. Right. Um just god, let's see. They would be like talking about how like this is all women are good for, like this is oh, wow. this is like all I want any woman for. Like this is um yeah, you're a piece of shit. Like you're useless to society. Like really Damn. demeaning shit. But like <laughs> it was also like you have an understanding like generally i wouldn't allow them to say that unless right, right, we right, had right, an right. understanding beforehand sure. that that was gonna come out right 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 it's That's like okay so for. i'm gonna say really demeaning shit to you and you're gonna be cool with it and i'm gonna be like cool and then afterwards they feed me food and take care of me and it was fine but like mm, mm. but so, that's what was in there mm-hmm. so it's like paying for stuff uh, you know certain unmet needs and their in their, you know, at home relationship, like there's maybe there's no spark, there's no edge, you know, but, I'm, uh, they're not allowed to do certain things sexually, and, and so. Well, actually, was- not a lot of them had an at home relationship. Okay. Yeah, so I only had one that was like stepping out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that quickly ended because it's just messy. Right. Um, but I yeah, I think it's partly the polarity thing right there mm-hmm. <clears throat> because they're wanting a supercharged sexual thing so the way to do that to what would you call it artificially juice mm-hmm. it is to make an an adversarial kind of situation mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like the one specifically that would get really really demeaning was because at the at, towards the end once i had like curated my list i only really had like three or four um but the one that would get really demeaning he all he had was like work and then he had separated from his wife and he had a kid Mm -hmm. and so his relationship with his wife was very specific towards having that kid and Mm -hmm. he had like Mm -hmm. he did not go on dates he did not it was just me yeah Mm -hmm. and then work hmm when I uh, when I lived in Mexico, and I was teaching English. I got to make a lot of friends, uh, just regular Mexican dudes, and and even if they had families, you know, prostitution was much more normalized in Mexico. Like a strip club was basically a whorehouse. So the girls would come out and they do their do their dances, and if you liked one, 
um, there'd be a back room and you could do any sort any series of things. I don't know if I've ever seen a strip club like that in the States. If I, I I've not seen anything. So the back room is that would like, be highly illegal. Yeah. The back room is like it has all these like stall like setups where it's stalls. Separ- yeah, it's separated by cloth and you know, there's a chair and so you'd walk A chair? And- yeah, like you, you'd walk by and you're watching like on the left, this guy's fucking this girl, and then on the right, he's getting his dick sucked. And oh god, I can't. Um, just, that's awful. And so it was like a revelation because I had not at that point. I was in my early twenties. I had not been to a strip club in the states, and so I just thought I didn't know that. Oh this no! Was, so you had no idea this was not cool. I didn't know that this is what states. in the states. I don't. I didn't know. I had no idea what they were doing in the states. I mean, what I have learned since coming back is that. They have strip clubs like this, but they're in really not good areas of town. Mm-hmm. Like in Chicago, you have strip clubs where, you know, girls are getting paid to do all sorts of things, but it's not legal, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but in Mexico, it's very legal, very normalized. And so uh, I'd see guys who had wives and kids who would have sex with the same girl twice in the same night. And it was totally fine. And I guess what I recognized for guys from a guy's perspective, I've worked so hard. I've made all this money. Um, I could go on a date. I could, you know, and especially in Latin culture, you, it's very sort of like uh, gendered in a way, like the romantic Latin lover sort of thing. Like you have to do certain things and take out to dinner. And so it's time to get to the point where you want to have sexual intimacy, blah, blah, blah. You have to go through all these steps. And from the guy's perspective, it's like, if I'm going to spend all this time and money, I could just go straight to the thing mm-hmm. and just or pay not for waste it. waste my time. And I'm also going to get exactly what I want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not a compromise between two people. It's an exchange. So what I'm trying to say is everyone should, uh, if they need to, go pay for what you need. <laughs> just do it. I mean, <laughs> I you, if you're it. not the first, you won't be the last. There <laughs> are the hundreds and business. thousands of you. The oldest business in the, in the world. It really I is. went to a strip club about 10 or 15 years ago around here and I had enough money to do the VIP room, Mm -hmm. which I just assumed was sexual content contact of some kind. Mm -hmm. Cause it was, cause it was fucking, I think it was $200 to get in to the room to go upstairs. And then I get up there with the girl and she says, it's just going to be, like her grinding on me with our clothes on. And you and can't I'm, touch. And, and you I'm can't supposed touch, to get yeah. off. Yeah. And I was like, what <laughs> the fuck did I just pay for? I had no idea. I just assumed there'd be some kind of Sexual. penal contact. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's some context. In Mexico, I mean, Mexico, the, the dollar goes so far. Like I, I started going out in Mexico. So I, I didn't realize how rich I was in Mexico. Mm, so, cause at right. the time it was like a, a dollar was like 12 pesos mm-hmm. and you could get a beer for like, you know, I could get a beer for 50 cents. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I would get a, you could get a lap dance, a song for the duration of a song for $5. Mm-hmm. So I'd like spend 30 bucks and this girl would be on me for like a half hour. And I could touch and do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so then, if you, based on that, like a blowjob was like 50 bucks, which is nothing. And then sex was like 100, 150. Mm-hmm. Absolutely this. not. Yeah, <laughs> no. It was like 450 to 500 for like three hours. Damn. That's what yeah. you were making? Oh, yeah. And I never stayed. They would, a- they would ask me to stay over. I'm like, no, you have to pay. I would make up an outrageous number. I'm like, I'm not sleeping in your fucking bed. Like, Damn, that's a good money. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it would be like once a week, twice a week. I'm like, yeah, sure. That's really good money. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yeah, I mean, the market for female sexual interest and attention in this country anyway, it's a, it's a career. Like mm-hmm. even you don't have to, you know, do anything sexual. You can do even cam girling is very, very lucrative. Although with like SESTA and FOSTA being passed previously, it's the websites being shut down. I don't even know how you would go about it now. Aside from OnlyFans, like I truly don't know how you would is go about it. Is that thing that shut down Craigslist or whatever? Is mm-hmm. it that kind of? Okay. Yeah. It, it put the um, onus of keeping sex workers off of your platform <laughs> onto the website. So they just mm. completely shut it down. So the way that you were doing it before you were getting clients off of Craigslist? 
Uh, no, it wasn't Craigslist. There was a there was a website. I sugar daddy the, site. Yeah, yeah, it was a sugar daddy site. I forget the name of it, but uh, it's shut down now. So wow, I've yeah. done a couple of those sites. Yeah, and it that was great because you could like you wouldn't take newer profiles, right? Because if they have like had mm. previous. Um, There'd be a review. Like, yeah, right. they had. Well, you can review them, but you could kick people off the site, basically. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if they had been on there for a couple months and had done this before, then they're probably good to go. Hmm. So you can kind of vet them a little. What do you guys think about like this country as a whole? Because that it, it weirds me out that this is one of the most sexual countries in the world in terms of like producers of porn and producers of eroticism to some degree. But at the same time, it has this really conservative underbelly of, so it has this sexual underbelly, but it has this conservative, like trying to shut down sex work. Mm-hmm. Whereas in countries like South, in any country in South America, it feels like the sexual instinct is much more a part, culturally a part of things there where um, there's more, much more open sexuality. But here it's like this weird combination of like a lot of sexuality, but also some like hidden conservatism that i don't understand what do you think is like the u.s's stacking i guess you you know Uh, or what do you think is going on there where there's this kind of dichotomy between a lot of sexuality but then we want to shut down sex work at the same time i I think partly it's you know the predominance of spso i think that's everywhere is my opinion um but i think it the sex part since it's not as much about you know like for guys i guess you'd say about being attractive so they're Mm -hmm. just doing sex in the spso like a bodily need Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. a functional i need to get this wad out kind of thing yeah well it's like this place is super commercialized right like everything's for sale and if you're a business person or immigrants come to this country because it's the best country in the world to make money and to make business and so Mm -hmm. it's weird to me that the oldest business in the world which is you know sex work is really demonized here compared to a lot mm-hmm. of places in the world. Like we're really back, back ass words on, on this that I don't understand. Like what the fuck is that? Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about it being SPSO dominant because it's very compartmentalized. Right. Like it's like, right. this is where the sex is and the rest is like taboo. Um, but I mean, it was also like colonized by w- white Anglo-Saxons. Protestant, mm, sure. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <clears throat> with like Christianity being the number one thing, and then, but not just Christianity, Catholicism, mm-hmm. which is a whole other level of bullshit shaming around sex right. and sex work. So maybe what it is is that it's kind of a decentralized money exchange that can't really be com- uh, corporatized and control. You know how they mm-hmm. the relationship to you know, the weed industry until they figured out how to make it so that huge companies can now make money. They, they were sending people huge to prison. Huge white companies. Exactly. So now it's like, you know, it, it was a thing that was illegal and, and normal people could make money dealing weed or whatever. And they were going to prison for it. And now that, you know, rich old white dudes have figured out a way to make, you know, millions out of that industry. Now it's all legal and it's cool. And so maybe what it is is that Big corporate interests have, there's no way to monetize uh, sexuality or sex work in a way that doesn't, that would be acceptable. Mm -hmm. So we just have to sort of sweep it under the rug because we can't make money from it. And that's why a lot of sex workers don't actually want it um, uh, legalized. They want it decriminalized because when you decriminalize Mm. it, you can still be safe, but not have these giant companies take it over and make it into a corporate profit machine. Mm-hmm. Um, decriminalizing it would put the control back in the sex workers' hands. Yeah. But they're not going to do that. Because, you know, I wonder sometimes because there are other religiously conservative, like South America was colonized by the Spanish, which brought in a lot of Catholicism. And so there's a lot of conservatism around sexuality, but there is still kind of this understanding um that even in in the courtship rituals and the way people date like there is kind of more of a maybe because maybe because of the climate there's more of a allowance for the sexual instinct 
seduction is more of you know like the, the meme of a latin lover yeah um so like having a mistress is like an acceptable thing right those kinds of things no it's there's more understanding that <clears throat> it's like underneath it all everyone has is a sexual beast or mm-hmm. whatever and i mean that that's part of the culture there whereas we're under the delusion here that not everybody does mm-hmm. it's something like that there's some uh yeah, strange hypnosis there around thinking some people are just good people or something or whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well, it's not just a delusion. It's like forced onto us well, as a mm-hmm. need, right? Because right. the second that stops being necessary, then I mm-hmm. feel like some, you know, some of us get out of the corporate, under from, yes. under from the corporate thumb, right? And, mm-hmm. and right. society right. will collapse. Yeah, it's this, to your point, it's looking at culture as an almost like an instinctual meme. Like, you know, the Anglo-Saxon is, you know, you, it's almost like you create these cultures to survive where you're at. And Mm -hmm. it feels like the Anglo-Saxon, because it's cold, there's this kind of like nuclear family, you take care of your own, you build up your resources Mm -hmm. because it's going to, winter's coming and... We got to like work. Like a scarcity mindset. Yeah, and there's a sca- yeah. there's a. It would make sense that something like capitalism and and everything that comes along with that would spring up from that kind of culture. Whereas the tropical parts of the world, things are slower. Uh, there's not this like oh we have to save up for the winter thing, um, and so maybe it would allow for more of the useless display of the mm-hmm. sexual instinct. But I want to say this though, there's something specific about Latin culture. Uh, you know, they talk about the romance languages because mm-hmm. African culture is very much conservative around much more. I don't want to say similar to Anglo-Saxon culture, but it's kind of like Asian cultures, I would say, is also conservative around sexuality. And uh, I don't know why that is, but it, it's, it's an interesting topic of, you know, the cultural memes, what instinctual preferences they represent and where they came from. Yeah, it might be a thing of <clears throat> partly in the Latin cultures, there's some kind of mix in the religious mythology space where you've got the Catholicism, but there's also something that's, uh, I don't know, from the Aztecs and all that shit and all the, yeah. where, <clears throat> I mean, some of which to me was, and the Mayans and all that stuff, and some of that is, is, people would say related to actually the Egyptian influence, Mm. the ancient, ancient, ancient Egyptian influence, which to me is kind of a model of what a civilization could be like if the sexual instinct was fully integrated Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. the daily life and even the spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all these other countries where it's more sort of, I don't know, mono-religious or something where there's one religion, mm-hmm. you don't have that, uh, that integration of whatever that sort of Egyptian uh, serpentine mysticism, uh, that's where that comes in. Where, where it, because, and again, I think it's because SPSO is the predominant stacking across the world, and mm-hmm. so it can easily fall into the demonization of the blind spot which is what yes. we all do with our blind spot. So unless it's in the mythology, right? Yeah. In the religion, because we're talking about religion with the instincts here. Right. right? right. So, yeah. Um, so kind of wanted to take a different track with it, but kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know John, if he were here would bring up this book called sex at dawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've listened to it a few times. Yeah, it's it's a good audio. book. It's great. Um, but it discusses how basically monogamy was created alongside, um, oh, what's it called? Like the ag- farming, the agrarian, yeah, agrarian mm-hmm. uh, lifestyle because yeah. you needed to have Ownership. paternal um, assurance, right? That this is my kid, so that I'm not taking, yeah. yeah, so that I'm not taking care of other people's kids with my lack yeah. of resources. Mm. But before, all resources were everybody's, so it didn't right. matter. Right. Um, so it's like yeah. that kind of created this weird thing around 
sex and like who's having sex with who because you need to be sure whose kid is whose. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that does fit in with the whole Egyptian thing I've been listening to. And the SPSO some... thing, too. Right. Um, because that was a big part of the ancient Egyptian whatever religious structure or mythology and so forth was that sort of abundance of life and Mm. so forth and well just it was the exact opposite of scarcity Mm. mindset so if you've got this sense of this fecundity of everything and it's all there to just pick from a tree that's a whole other other mindset you know, you know, while you guys were saying that, I realized uh, that the role that the sexual instinct plays from, you know, in, in sexual selection is that this is the instinct that would push one to leave their group, their family unit or their group of families to go find the interesting sexual right. partner that's different. When you start hoarding resources uh, and you start getting protective about what we have versus what that group over there has, and you start getting protective about whose kid is who and the family unit, that's what creates these countries and that's what creates these wars. And so that's a really hardened as self press social. But what the sexual instinct uh, does is that it creates these interesting mixes. Uh, and so when you get transcultural, transracial, trans, you know, mixing, that is what the sexual instinct is there for because it gets you to cross boundaries and yes. look for unexpected combinations. And so when I was thinking about Latin culture, Latin culture is a mix already. Like when I think about African culture, it's like it's homogenous. Asian culture, homogenous. Anglo-Saxon culture, homogenous. Yep. But when you get cultures that are mixing, it's, there's this inherent understanding that two different things are coming together and creating a new thing. Yep. And that has more sexual instinct in it. And I also noticed that a lot of people who are of mixed race, because they're having to navigate between two different cultures, two different identities, it, it forces you to sort of create a, take a more, because you can't be comfortable in either identity. And so you have to sort of create a new one or a singular that's one. And that's, it forces you into that more sexual instinct. Uh, that's right pathway <clears throat> hybridization mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah so i'm thinking on a cultural level that the cultures that have that baked in are going to have more allowance for what the sexual instinct represents than the cultures that are like sort of crystallized and baked into their we're all the same and we want to keep our resources the same that sort of sbso nationalism right you know it's it's all like us versus them versus like sexual instinct is like hey i want to fuck whoever is the most interesting you know, sexy person who, wherever they're from. <laughs> oh, I think we solved it all. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, coming from Nigeria and being social blind, I didn't know to the extent, because I just look at the world like, wow, there's just so many different cultures in the world. Uh, as a kid, I was like, I, I assumed that everyone is trying to have sex with everybody. You know, that people are just... I mean, you look at like all the different races and there are just so many interesting combinations that could come up. And I just imagined that people were like having sort of travel lust or like wanting Mm -hmm. to like go all over the world and and experience different things. So coming here was a huge culture shock because I was just really excited about like the Americas is the biggest melting pot in the world. And so I thought that everybody wanted to mix with everybody. So to come here and to realize like there's such a huge racial tension and there's such, especially between white and black people, uh, and that there's such a, you know, just learning about the history and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I, I still, still have a hard time wrapping my head around the amount of like racial tension between us versus them that keeps people apart. Like, don't you want to just fuck people that are different than you? Yeah. <clears throat> Why do you just want to be around people who look like you all the time? Why do you just want to eat the same foods? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what is what is the big fear? Like, what is, I, I, I guess that's what I'm try, I try to understand. Like, what is the big fear that the people that are different from you, what are they going to take away? Yeah, I mean, it's another extreme example, I guess, of sort of an SPSO mindset of <clears throat> somehow you're going to be depleted or something of something Mm -hmm. 
Um, or, I mean, again, it probably crossing races sexually sort of, uh, is metaphorical for the sexual instinct. Mm -hmm. And so there's an instinctual bias with the sexual blind stackings. Yeah. My mom, my mom is super traditional, Igbo, Nigerian, and, uh, self-pressed social too. And so there's this meat market kind of approach to sexuality in a sense that she looks at marriageability in terms of, you know, resources, age, how many kids you've had. So she's very, very practical about it. But there's all, with self-pressed social, there's kind of like a, a concern about the bloodline. Because mm. your, your father was this person. I think it's cheap. both social and self-pressed. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But there's this concern about like continuing propagating the family uh, and who your kids are. And uh, I can understand a lot of like white people's fear around interracial uh, coupling is like that essentially destroys the purity of the bloodline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people might frown when they hear white people say that, but I mean, my mom is, feels the same way mm-hmm. about like, oh, you know, you came from this person and my parents are, you know, yeah. the Okorafor bloodline. And, and so when she found out that who I was dating, my last relationship, she was genuinely hurt <laughs> mm. that I did not um, partner with someone who could continue my dad's legacy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. I know, right? <laughs> That's so intense. <laughs> I was just like, your legacy. (laughs) (laughs) What have you created? What is your legacy? (laughs) But it's like, you know, your children and their children, and that represents you, and that's That's like your bloodline. But it's like old world thinking, but that's very much at the core of this, all this shit that we're talking about, this cultural, instinctual bias to keep our own, our own, and what the sexual instinct is represent as a risk to that like it screws up the whole thing right it, it's kind of yeah. like the nationalism thing where it's mm-hmm. like self-pres <clears throat> i don't know is me and my body and therefore my lineage infused with a certain social set of standards yes. and principles and so forth and so yeah so you've got to keep that clean and if you look at like how culture our culture um american culture uh Mm -hmm. treats like the sexual instinct taking over right um it's so demonized like but in the self-pres way of like oh all of your resources are going to be taken away like everything's going to crumble around you house is gone friends are gone like your your yeah job's gone like it's borderline illegal like, mm-hmm. so it's just so demonized in the self-pres way, right? Yeah. For the sexual instinct takeover. Hmm. Yeah, I would imagine the social instinct demonizing the sexual is like uh, the social shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, losing like your there's core multiple, group or whatever. Multiple things. I mean, it's shame. It's There's a thing around purity in various ways with social, you know? Yeah. And not wanting to mix. Mm-hmm. But no, that's that was a huge realization to me that uh, most people are afraid of the consequences of what the sexual instinct might represent. Because I mean, w- when you're turned on by someone, it has no consideration for your politics. It has no consideration right. for what's practical or right. what would be acceptable. You just want what you want. So I mean, that, that's why you get like uh, the Bible Belt is the highest porn consumption part of this country, right? Uh, and so there's this, it's just unbridled wanting, which can cross so many boundaries. Like you might be really attracted to someone who your parents might not approve of or who you might not, couldn't imagine starting a family with, but you want to fuck them. Yeah. It's why this, there, you've got so many rules and such, I don't know, cultural, I don't know, activation or reactivity around sex and attraction in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. it's a place where we're supposed to be keep it together and just get things done. 
Self-presidential. Yeah. But and only self-presidential. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We are not it, dynamic humans in the workplace. Yeah. Doesn't like didn't they say that most relationships start in the workplace? Yeah. Kind of Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's who you spend most of your life with is who you work with. So mm-hmm. it's not your friends, it's not your spouse, it's your coworkers. Yeah. That's always been a tough one for me because it feels I mean, we talked about how like the the instincts are at war with each other and it feels to me that the more social I get, the less sexy a dynamic gets. Like hooking up with people I work with has just never been I don't know, like for whatever it's reason. It's not hot. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It doesn't it's very self press social, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't for me, there's not enough polarity there. Maybe there was polarity with this person and it never went away. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, but if we got comfortable working together and then to have like something sexual come out of that, it wouldn't be very hot. Like that's my bias. That's what my instinctual talking is, is biased for. Depends on the environment. I mean, I used to work at restaurants and restaurants. Mm. There's a lot of young young people in their 20s and stuff that are restaurants going are out cesspool oh man <laughs> yeah. and everybody's going out and partying and mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. I, fucking each other in bathrooms let's oh, go I, after they yeah. do lines of cocaine off each other oh, yeah, man restaurants are crazy yeah yeah bars and restaurants yeah, yeah. everybody ages exponentially in those environments <laughs> <laughs> It's so fast. You see a girl who I, because I, I worked at a bar, you see a girl come in there and she's like 21, 22. She's trying to get her first job in just a matter of a year. She's just been ran through and she's doing done so many drugs. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. Do you guys watch Vanderpump? Oh, no, you don't watch Vanderpump Rules. But have you heard no. about Vanderpump Rules? What? Just heard the name. What is that? Of course not. Of course not. It's, no. a, it's a terrible, just um reality tv show of these people who these pretty people in la who work in a super um expensive restaurant or bar or whatever and we're now like five seasons in and these people are not doing okay man (laughs) their lives are crumbling around like all of their lives are have crumbled um and then if you like look at them close up they all have gotten way too much work done and it's Mm. just like they're backsliding so fast. It's hilarious. It's a rough life. Like, you know, going, like staying up late, doing a lot of drinking. No, those were some of my major fuckboy days <laughs> working at restaurants. Anytime I wanted to get laid in Richmond, there's a specific bar where all the restaurant workers go after mm-hmm. they get off. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's where you go, man. <laughs> That's where you go. That's home perfect. sweet home. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a lot of, uh, you get smarter about hooking up once you work in an environment like that because you just watch people do it so much. And I, you know, I I learned that you don't need to go out and early, just go out and get there at midnight and stay there for a half hour. Yeah. We're talking 25 minutes max. I know, right? (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) People are making their sexual decisions. They're not, this is not a decision that involves any thought. They're just grabbing the nearest person that fits the bill and they're going home. Like, it's just like watching a meat market self press social like i'm drunk enough now who's who's uh batter up who's who's uh <laughs> yeah. and there's a there's like a front patio so if you really want to have a fun time you can go out towards the front patio and just watch people mm-hmm. just watch mm-hmm. people after 12 30 at home sweet home and they're just like pairing off left and right <laughs> that's just one of the most shocking things about going out and watching people hook up it was like sup i just didn't i thought there was more to it you know the the sexual bias that i have is like oh Mm. there's uh there's gonna be a seduction and a dance there's gonna be a a, you know we're gonna lock eyes and we're gonna have this whole thing before it happens i know (laughs) i know like i just didn't know that that it was just uh i'm gonna drink enough to feel loose and the first person that you know it's like at a grocery store I'm going to grab the first thing that fits for me and I'm going to go home and eat. And I never want to see this person again. I, it really took me a long time. I'm like, really? Really? But that gets at another thing that is part of my, I don't know, associations with sexual instinct is drugs and alcohol. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's what opens up uh, that realm for people that are sexual blind, yes. especially. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. is is that kind of because because that's where you get the transgression, you know, the crossing the boundaries thing of what you would do in your normal straight boxed in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to spill over the edges. And if you're already doing something that you're not supposed to, you might as well just keep doing it. That's mm-hmm. right. You want to intensify it. Right. Which is might as well go also hard. Go hard to go sexu- home, right? Partly sexual instinct, right? You'd want to crank up the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have these hot nights with strangers, and I was thinking, oh, that's great. Let's have another hot night. And I'm like, no. No. Nope. Nope. Ghosted. <laughs> Done. They don't even remember you now. Ten years later, they're like, no. I just couldn't I just couldn't wrap my head around like you had a hot night and you didn't want to have a, another hot night with that person. Why wouldn't you? What? <laughs> yeah, the only reason that I would stick with one person like I had like a few um like booty call guys. Mm-hmm. The only reason I would stick with one person was because it was like simple. Like I knew that you were what mm. was going to happen. I knew you mm-hmm. were safe. I knew you were clean. Otherwise, and it yeah. probably wasn't going to be anyone. It seems like the more heat there is, like legitimate heat, the more you, people, self-press social people, I'm assuming, don't want to return to it because there's more of a risk that you might catch feelings. The more mechanical or just okay and simple it was, the more likely it would continue. Oh. And then sometimes the more heat there is, the more legitimate chemistry that's there. It's like, well, no, I don't want to. That I'm might go somewhere. That. Exactly. I don't want to mess up yeah. my life. Yeah. I don't yeah. Want to be for distracted. this person, I mean, right. who knows who, who, you know, yeah. what kind of job they have, what kind of yeah, family yeah, yeah. they have. Yeah. <sighs> they tell themselves that it's too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're a bad boy. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing I realized. Like, this is a self press social thing. Don't try to make it any more than that. Like, the more chemistry that is you try to find, the more it's actually getting in the way of what everyone is trying to do in this environment which is you know just go home with somebody and have some fun yeah they were um ruin it with sexual <laughs> instincts shut the fuck up <laughs> um, the romance. guys <laughs> the guys that would uh the clients that would pay me when i was doing sex work um most of them would like request to have like small talk mm. beforehand but small talk only oh, and okay. <laughs> Not real if, talk. <laughs> no. If it got deep, it was only about them. Uh-huh. They right. do not want to hear about you. They yeah. don't want any connection. They don't want to... Small talk, they want to feel like... Feel like they aren't making an object out of you, but really, mm-hmm. otherwise, they would just do it. <laughs> right. That's the only reason. They don't want a connection. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. Because, I mean... You would think that people who hook up at bars just want to just do the... Th- I mean, sometimes people do, but they people do want to talk. But it's like what you're saying. If It's like surface-level conversation about, oh, you do this, but... And so, like, me as a sexual type, like, inevitably spilling too much information about myself that's actually me, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably ruining the thing that you're talking about, that it's just, hey, we just... I want to feel like you're a person to me, but I don't actually want you... <laughs> I want to make sure you're a warm body. I don't want you to like put so much of your personality into this dynamic where I'm just. (laughs) Yeah, no. Anytime I try to like be a human, uh, unless it was like those two or two guys that were like, I want a human for an hour or two with Mm -hmm. me. They were like, shut the fuck up. Why are you (laughs) like, stop, like stop it right now. Suck on my toes. (laughs) Yeah, that's that was kind of important for me to understand, uh, because there's the sexual instinct way of getting naked, you know, psychologically mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. spilling yourself. <clears throat> yep. That um, what can feel intrusive or invasive to self-pressed social type. It's like, wait, well, how how did we get here? Why are our clothes off? And why are mm-hmm. we talking about our <laughs> secrets? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Go ahead. It was kind of hilarious. So Josh is social self pres right? Now. Yes. Oh yeah, you guys did your interview. The it was, was what it's like to be. I listened yeah. to it all. It was great. Oh good. It was. Um, <laughs> kind the contrast of between you guys are is dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. And also the similarities. Yeah, are yeah. hilarious to me because 
um, both of us like would discuss these deep things in a very like beep boop bop. We are talking about <sighs> deep emotions way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was just funny with like both of us trying to go deep and both of us being a three and like a Bermuda three at that. So we're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> It's really easy also to see the the, uh, difference between secondary six for you and secondary nine. True. Like, yeah, you you come across like much more, uh, you have much more, is it sassy edginess maybe? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, The six sort of reactive thing, wanting to poke and find out what's underneath Mm -hmm. things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that what that is? That's really noticeable between Yeah, because Josh is... He likes my jokes, but he does not always laugh at them. <laughs> and he'll say he likes my jokes. He's like, oh, you're so funny. And I'm like, but you never laugh at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll say something. He's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> three, three with nine is like really hard for me to read sometimes. It's like the professional mask. I can really feel uh-huh. that. Yeah, sometimes his like not professional mask would peek out, but it would just be like, doop, 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 like real quick. <laughs> It's uh, Josh is great. I I love him. It was very fun to do that interview, but it was just very apparent. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, guys. I that that should be an episode. I'll, I'll yeah. wrangle some. I shit think it's good from that. Yeah. Okay. Okie doke. All right, y'all. Okay. Bye. See y'all. See you later. I was in a two on two on the uptown, and nigga, you know what's up or don't you? Murder who made ya? I'm a rude bitch, nigga. What are you made of? I'ma eat your food up, boo. I could bust your eight. I'ma do one too. Fuck it, gun do. When you do make bucks, I'ma look right, nigga. But you do one too. Fuck. Fuck them like you do one too. Come, you gated because it's covered. I'm a two one deuce. Cock a licking in the water by the blue by you. Caught the warm goose. And you do rag too, son. Nigga, you're a Kool Aid dude. Plus, your bitch might lick it. Wonder who let you come to one two. What'd you do to crew, son?